T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Another brutally cold day, but it looks like this will be the end of the line. Maybe this is the last shot of winter we'll get in these parts. Once again, we've all been through it. Um, I, I, I doubt many of us are listening from afar. If you are, great. On the Odyssey app or at WCCRadio.com. But uh, chances are you've suffered through the same winter I did. It, it hasn't been the coldest winter on record. It hasn't been the snowiest winter on record. But dare I say, it was a good old-fashioned winter that reminded you that winters in these parts can be no joke. In the last couple of days, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe it's when the sun angle gets to a certain point. I don't expect it to be quite this cold. And I know, for instance, Thursday and then particularly Friday morning. Now, in, now in January, I'd get all bundled up. I'd, I'd get, get out the, the big, ugly blue coat. And I wouldn't think about it. But you get into March and it's like, no, I'm done with that. I'm not doing that. And, and you wear a lighter coat. And and ultimately I, I got up, went to my full-time job on Friday morning. And the the walk from the house out to the truck where, where I used the remote start to my advantage isn't that bad. But where I park at my job into the building, I wouldn't say is a super long hike, but it has that northwest exposure. And it really felt like one of the coldest days of the winter on Friday. And then after that, I had to go down to Augsburg and call the Section 5 AA Girls Basketball Championship game between number one ranked Providence Academy and number three Holy Family. And I got there early, and that was part of the strategy to get to Augsburg early because you know how parking can be on a college campus. And I was able to park right out front. It was just absolutely spectacular. And then uh, I, I brought the gear into the building and called the game Providence Academy Uh Big run at the end of the first half ends up winning the section, and and they are the number one seed in uh, the two A girls state tournament next week. And Chad Greenway, former Viking linebacker, 
his his daughter Madden plays for that team. She's terrific. They have a really good team and will be the odds-on favorite to win in 2A. Um, but leaving the building, I, I had some gear to pack up, you know, a computer and camera and cords and this and that. And I had a cart. And, and wheeling that out of the building at Augsburg, out into the street, it just, it was ridiculous how cold it was. So, um, quite a thing this winter, but uh, things are going to turn, as you heard a moment ago with Al. Uh, we look to be in good shape in the weather department. Now, th- th- there's still a chance of a rain-snow mix, particularly Sunday night into Monday that we've got to worry about. But uh, then 50s in our future and upper 40s later in the week. So it is really going to feel good. And by the time they get those spring training games started in Florida on Thursday, uh, it would be ideal weather for a Twins opener in these parts. We'd settle for 50s for a Twins opener come May. Uh, first spring training game, by the way, for the Twins is Thursday against the Red Sox, Crosstown and Fort Myers at JetBlue. And then they'll play the Atlanta Braves on Friday. The uh, spring training opener for the Twins at Hammond Stadium against Boston on Saturday, and then Tampa Bay on Sunday. So it is an abbreviated spring training schedule as these teams get ready to start. And then, of course, uh, the Twins... Uh, already planning for opening day at Target Field. And tickets for uh, the April 7th opening day at Target Field in all 81 Twins home games uh, will be going on sale to the general public on Thursday, March 17th at 10 a.m. And Matt Hudson from the Twins front office will join us a little bit later today to discuss that. So they, they finally got it done, and, and I know there was a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of concerns about, you know, the players and the owners and would the season start on time, and we know it won't start on time. Spring training didn't start on time. But they're going to get all 162 regular season games in, and uh, they got a deal. So let's play ball. And the Twins making some moves. Uh, they have traded Mitch Garver. At first I thought, this isn't for real. But then I saw a tweet from Phil Miller, who covers the Twins from the Star Tribune, and said, okay, it's for real. If Phil's putting it out there, it's for real. And he's going to join us a little over an hour from now to discuss. Mitch Garver goes to Texas for shortstop Isaiah kiner Falafa. Uh He won a gold glove a couple of years ago. So Isaiah... Kiner Falafa is the new twin shortstop. Mitch Garver is now a Texas Ranger, and they picked up a minor league pitcher, Ronnie Henriquez, and he pitched at double A. So I don't know if he'll get to the big leagues here in 2022. And you may have seen the news that uh, 2021 twin shortstop veteran Andrelton Simmons signed with the Cubs on Friday. So they needed a shortstop, and they have one. But uh, I think a fan favorite, Mitch Garver, headed for the Rangers. And we'll get uh, more on that 
from Phil a little bit later on in the program. Some of the other things we got coming up on the show today, and we really do have a great show lined up for you. A uh, little bit later on in the hour, uh, Stephen Clark from Space Flight Now is going to join us. Uh, you maybe heard in the news with Al that uh, that astronaut with with deep Minnesota ties, who's at the International Space Station. The Russians have threatened to leave him there. Now the good news is, is that the United States now doesn't rely on the Russians to get crews up and down from the International Space Station. They have the Dragon capsule. They have SpaceX. So there, there are alternatives to get them home if need be. Now, I know the idea of quickly launching a capsule to bring home an astronaut uh, is, is not ideal, not in the cards yet. But, but we'll get his thoughts on that a little bit later on in the hour. I will get you up to date on the Boys State Hockey Tournament. Uh, one title has been handed out, the Class A title. Hermantown beat War Road 3-2 in a very good game in St. Paul. They dropped the puck uh, today at noon. I was over in St. Paul this morning for a 9 o'clock start in the 1A uh, third-place game between Matamidi and Alexandria. Alexandria took a 1-0 lead early, really dominated play, and then Matamidi took over. They ultimately go on to a 4-2 victory. No goals in the third period. So Matamidi, your third-place champ, and Hermantown beat Warroad for the Class A championship. Still to come in St. Paul later today, the double-A third-place game. That'll be Hill-Murray taking on Pryor Lake. And then tonight at 7, the double-A championship game. Andover against Maple Grove. And they are conference foes in the Northwest Suburban. So it'll be uh, Andover against Maple Grove for all the marbles at 7 o'clock tonight. You may remember two weeks ago, the Andover girls won the double-A title, beating Minnetonka in a spectacular game. Over at the U, Golden Gopher women's hockey team in action. They are taking on the UMD Bulldogs in the NCAA tournament. And the winner goes to the Frozen Four at Penn State. They're going to be playing that in University Park, Pennsylvania. And speaking of Golden Gopher hockey, uh, we're, we're going to be joined by uh, Jess Myers from the Rink Live at about 4.35 today. Uh, the men play a Big Ten tournament game against Penn State tonight. Uh, and it's a one and done. It's not a series. It's, it's winner take all. Uh, Minnesota shoe in now to get to the NCAA tournament, so no worries there. But uh, the Golden Gopher women, last I saw, had a 1-0 lead over the UMD Bulldogs after one period of play over at Ritter Arena, and they need to win that to advance to the women's Frozen Four. All right, quick break. 3-17 here on a Saturday. News Talk, 830-WCCO. It is tied at Ritter Arena, Minnesota, and UMD NCAA Tournament. Winner advances to the Frozen Four. That would be quite a development. And... That that would be an upset if if Minnesota, the number two seed in the tournament, Ohio State, grabbed the number one seed by winning the WCHA final faceoff. But uh, the UMD Bulldogs and the Minnesota Golden Gophers tied at one period number two at Ritter Arena. Wow, uh, Minnesota beat UMD five to one in the WCHA final faceoff at Ritter Arena. 
in the opening round last week, and then a Minnesota lost early in overtime to Ohio State in that game. Coming up tonight at 3M Arena at Mariucci, Minnesota men play Penn State. Jez Myers, as we mentioned, uh, scheduled to join us at about 4.35 today here on News Talk E3OWCCO. Uh, Wild, uh, they're idle today. They, they uh, obviously aren't at home. Uh, with the boys' state hockey tournament at the XL Energy Center the last four days. Uh, but the Wild coughed one up last night to uh, Columbus. And you know, the, the the Wild, as of late, just, just can't seem to get out of their own way. Uh, they had a 2-1 lead. Columbus roars back. Wins it 3-2 in the shootout. Uh, the good news is for the Wild, they have a ton of home cooking coming up on the schedule. Uh and I'm glad they at least got it figured out defensively because they were just giving up goals in droves over this bad run. Uh, they beat the Rangers 5-2 to on Tuesday. Then they were able to win in Detroit 6-5 to in a shootout. Then they lose in the shootout on Friday 3-2 to to Columbus, as I mentioned. And then they come home, they get the Nashville Predators Sunday night in St. Paul, Boston, Chicago, Vegas, Vancouver, Columbus, Colorado, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh between now and the end of the month, all nine games at home, a nine-game homestand to close out March. Now they'll start April with a four-game road trip and play six of eight to start April on the road. And then, of course, the end of the regular season coming up at the end of April. And then, well, uh We'll get started with the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, uh, the the Wild at least were able to grab a point last night and get three of four possible points on the road. That is good news. So they get the Predators, a division foe, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock in St. Paul. Timberwolves back at it tonight on the road. Real clunker for the Timberwolves as they lose to the Orlando Magic. And what's been so shocking about this turnaround season for the Minnesota Wild, in my mind, or the Minnesota Timberwolves this season, is that they got beat by Orlando early in the season at home, and then they lose on the road at Orlando last night. And Orlando's one of the worst teams in the NBA. And the two games with the Timberwolves have accounted for more than 10% of Orlando's victories. And like I say, I was doing that uh girls game last night section 5AA Providence Academy and Holy Family down at Augsburg by the time I got packed up got out of there it was an east coast start so we were already in the post game show with Cal and and Cal broke the bad news as I was jumping on I-94 outside of Augsburg and <laughs> it's like they got beat by Orlando again uh, so that's not a good look. Now they get Miami tonight on the road, and this will be a 6.30 pregame show, tip just after 7 o'clock. Al Soderquist and Alan Horton with all the play-by-play. Uh, there is some good news, though. No Jimmy Butler for Miami. Apparently no Caleb Martin, no Victor Oladipo, and no Markeith Morris. So Jimmy Bucket's will not play in the game tonight. So an opportunity for the Timberwolves to bounce back after an ugly loss last night. 
they're, they're trying to play golf down in Florida at the Players' Championship, speaking of Florida. But the weather's been horrible uh, for the players this week. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody serious about golf calls this a fifth major. It is an important championship. Uh, there, there's a ton of money on the line. Uh, there, for anybody who wins the players, a lot goes with it. They kind of put a lot in the give basket. But it's not a major. And I, I've never considered that course a major championship venue. And, and I've been a, around long enough to remember when it when it was constructed and when they opened it, this Pete Dye design and all the railroad ties and the Island 17. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to play there. I'd love to give it a shot. But the, the course has always felt too man-made to me. Where it, it, too many of the holes feel contrived. And I know there's, there's a certain amount of design. But the one thing I like, for instance, about Augusta National, it's on a great piece of property, very hilly. And, and I know it, it's sculpted. It's, uh, you know, human hands have sculpted the course. But, but this just feels like too many railroad ties and too many built things as a part of it. Just me, anyway. Uh, but weather's been terrible. They're just get st- getting started with the second round of that event. Kevin Kisner is your leader at six under par, along with Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, Tom Hoagie, who has a win on the PGA Tour, hails from Fargo. Bryce Garnett, one back. Kramer Hickcock, one back. Joaquin Neiman, he has a win this year. He's at five under par. Uh, Some of the bigger names struggling. Looks like the cut could be at even for this tournament. Rory McIlroy at one over over the cut line. Patrick Reed, one over, still has a chance. But like I say, they're just getting that second round underway here in a Saturday afternoon. It looks pretty breezy at the TPC at Sawgrass. Kerry, I know you're a big golf fan, and I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the TPC at Sawgrass. Don't get me wrong, I'd love to play there. Yeah, no, you know, I've never heard anybody say what you just said. I, I mean, I loved it. Um, I think... Um, I, I mean, I, I just, I love golf. I'm not, I'm not, I can't analyze it like you can. Um, I think it's a fun course just as a, just as a golf fan. Um, it's always something to look forward to when they get to play here. Yeah. The the 17th is unique. I mean, I, I'm sure when I would be standing on the tee at 17 in that Island green, be like, okay, how many am I going to hit in the water here before (laughs) I actually get one on the green? I, I get all of that. It's just visually to me, it feels like there's just too much. It, it, it looks it looks just too invented to me. Yeah, and and that that's maybe my knock. It, it, it's not that I hate it. it. It's just not one of my favorite golf courses on tour. Where where something a little more timeless like Riviera, yeah. uh, where, where they are on the West Coast swing. It goes without saying. It's no Pebble Beach. Yeah. Few things are. Uh, but it, it just feels to me like they carved it out of a swamp, and I can never get that out of my that, – that, it, it's like Vegas. 100% of everything you see is fake. Yeah. 
and and I can't get that out of my mind about the TPC at Sawgrass. But anyway, uh, quick break. We we've got a whole lot more. Uh, Stephen Clark's going to join us from Space Flight Now. There is a fair amount going on because it is the International Space Station, and the United States and Russia and other countries are partners in that venture. And things are not going well, as you know, with Russia invading Ukraine and that illegal invasion and just the, the terrible things that are happening there. So we'll, we'll get into some of that. We'll Stephen get an update on uh, Elon Musk's big project, Starship. When is he going to get the okay from Uncle Sam to move forward? We'll get into all of that coming up following the weather here on News Talk. E3O-WCCO. A threat by the Russians to leave an American astronaut on the International Space Station. Uh, that topic and more. Stephen Clark joins us, spaceflightnow.com. Uh, Stephen, good to visit with you. Hi, Steve. Good to be with you. Yeah, it, it, this this threat, uh, I, I don't know if it needs to be taken seriously, but uh, the, the, there's certainly a concern that uh, NASA astronaut... Uh, Mark Vandehei, who has strong ties to Minnesota, Minnesota native, uh, could be left due to come home on a Soyuz capsule. Uh, This is definitely intriguing. Yeah, for sure. It's one way to put it. Um, it, You know, these tweets that are coming out from the Russian Space Agency and especially the uh, director of the Russian Space Agency, which is a, a man named Dmitry Rogozin, certainly don't. Uh, seem to be de-escalating the situation. They seem to be escalating and making things more tense than than perhaps they um, they need to be right now. And you know, he he tweeted a, uh, a message, a video, I think a couple of days ago. You know, seemed to be in jest about leaving an astronaut on the space station. But you know, this is serious business. You know, it's life or death. <laughs> uh, space flight is certainly a, a risky endeavor. And uh, Mark Vandehei has been up there for a year, planning to come back on March 30th on a Russian uh, spacecraft, uh, the same type of spacecraft that he launched on uh, last April. And right now, those preparations are continuing. Uh, My sources at NASA indicate that that they're continuing to plan on uh, Mark Vandehei coming back on the Soyuz spacecraft because that's, you know, technically that's the easiest thing to do because he already has a suit fitted for him. All those matters, um, but you know there are things that NASA and their partner SpaceX could have in their back pocket to do uh, to bring him back uh, in, in, a, in a contingency situation if the Russians either don't want to bring him back or the situation de-escalates where NASA maybe doesn't feel comfortable bringing him back on a Russian spacecraft. Yeah, and it brings together the the bigger topic, and and I brought this up uh, when I was promoting your appearance today, and that is. Uh, the United States, Russia, other countries are partners in the International Space Station. But what's transpired in Ukraine, completely unacceptable. Uh, the, the world community, almost in unison, has uh, slapped sanctions on Russia. Now what about ISS and this cooperation in space? You would think at, at some point in time that... Uh, these other countries are just going to say we we don't want to do business with them on a, on any issue. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we've seen in the last few weeks um, 
all other partnership with Russia in the space arena has pretty much evaporated and gone away in the last few weeks. Uh, there's a Russian European Mars mission that's kind of on the rocks right now that may not be happening. Um, the Russians have stopped shipping Russian engines to the United States, uh, which is a problem for Northrop Grumman and NASA longer term, uh, Northrop Grumman being one of NASA's cargo providers to the space station. So all these signals, you know, all, all these signals indicate that the, the relationship is frayed and on the verge of breaking. The only thing that hasn't been touched yet is the International Space Station. And that's because I think, you know, Russia has a strategic interest in maintaining that space station because if they abandon the space station, if they want to pull out of that partnership, that leaves Russia without a human spaceflight program. Uh, end of story, full stop. And NASA has other options now with what SpaceX is doing and with the Artemis program to the moon. You know, it would be hurtful and painful for the U.S. space program if they ended because a large percentage of the launches in the United States right now um, are supporting the space station. But I think Russia has more to lose in, in losing that program than NASA does. Yeah, and, and what what ultimately happens? Could Russia say we're out and we we demand that the platform be deorbited because at some point they they will need to deorbit and uh, crash that thing into the ocean at some point in the future. Yep, uh, that that's something Russia does have the card to play uh, with that because Russia uh, more or less is the only uh, provider of propulsion at the space station. So uh, the Russian space agency and their progress cargo. Uh, spacecraft as well as the service module on the space station have thrusters that are designed to reboost the altitude of the space station. And uh, U.S. vehicles uh, don't have that capability, although with some software changes and you know, some redesign and some uh, maybe some craftful engineering that could be done, but it couldn't be done overnight. And uh, so Russia does have that card to play. However, you know, there there's interdependency on the space station and it was designed with that in that in mind for with that purpose so russia provides the propulsion but uh almost all of the electrical power that power including power that goes to the russian systems on the space station come, comes from the u.s side yeah and the, the, this is where things get really complicated once upon a time there was no capability to get astronauts up and down without the russians that's changed SpaceX has demonstrated robust capability of getting astronauts to and from uh, orbit and to and from ISS and cargo as well, as well as other providers. Um, would you think that contingency plans are underway? I, I, I doubt NASA or their partners would tip their hand, but I would assume that there, there's work going on behind the scenes for contingencies. I think that's a safe assumption, and that's what I'm, uh, you know, hearing. There, there are discussions about how how the uh, how NASA and the other partners uh, could overcome the loss of the Russian segment, um, because it's not like the Russians can just detach their modules and <laughs> leave the space station. They're all interconnected. So if the Russians wanted to abandon the space station, they have one of two options in, in my mind. They have the propulsion means to deorbit the space station and have it reenter the atmosphere and burn up over the ocean, ideally, so, so it doesn't spread debris over any populated areas. And the other options the Russians have, other option the Russians have is just to uh, to leave, to leave and uh, stop operating their their side of the space station and not have any crew on it. Um, in that in that uh, scenario, you know, with some 
you know, creative engineering and, and time, the other partners, including NASA, with help from commercial companies like SpaceX and uh, you know, Northrop Grumman has their cargo vehicle, which does have a limited ability to reboost the altitude of the space station um, to perhaps come up with uh, a solution to keep it flying. Uh, however, you know, the space station, NASA likes to say the space station is, you know, a laboratory. It's coming along doing, you know, hundreds of experiments per year. And anything like this would interrupt that. Even if they were able to salvage the space station, it would, you know, come at a cost of some of the commercial activity and some of the scientific research that goes on up there. Stephen Clark joining us, spaceflightnow.com. He's based at Kennedy Space Center. Uh, and, and Stephen, with the, the growing capability of uh, private space industry led by SpaceX, but there are others that the, the, the reliance on Russians isn't once what it was, but nevertheless, some of these companies still rely on rocket engines. SpaceX is not one of them, but some of these companies do rely on these engines that were built by the Russians. That, that could create a new opportunity for SpaceX, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So there, there are two companies, United Launch Alliance, which is a 50-50 uh, joint venture between Boeing and Lockheed Martin, which is a well-established launch provider, um, and also North, that launches, including other things, uh, U.S. military satellites, by the way, sure. on Russian on engines on you know built in Russia, and the other is Northrop Grumman, which has a rocket called the Antares, and it uh, pretty much has a limited role of launching Northrop Grumman's Cygnus supply spacecraft to the space station, which is the other cargo provider uh, besides SpaceX to the space station. And uh, you know ULA United Launch Alliance has all the engines it says it needs to fly out the rest of its Atlas V missions. Uh, the Atlas V being the rocket that uses Russian uh, engines. And then eventually, um, ULA is working with a company called Blue Origin, uh, founded by Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame, uh, to build a U.S. engine to replace the Russian engine for missions you know, starting next year, basically. Um, Northrop Grumman is a different story because I don't think they have an alternative to the Russian engine at this point, uh, not one available you know, certainly within yeah. a year or two. And, uh, you know, if this Russian engine embargo continues, which I <laughs> I think it would be very difficult politically to, to go back on that, if they're not, not able to procure new Russian engines, uh, then they have hardware in the United States for the next two Antares cargo missions to the space station. Beyond that, the future of that program may be, you know, in some doubt. Uh, and also Grumman may have to turn to a company like SpaceX or ULA to launch uh, their cargo missions down the road. A uh, couple of quick things before we run out of time on the program today. Stephen Clark joining us, spaceflightnow.com from Kennedy Space Center. Is uh, Starship, Boeing's capsule, that was, uh, or, or is a competitor to SpaceX Dragon capsule that's carried crew and cargo, uh, looks like we could see a launch this spring. Yeah, and this is a, a very troubled program. It's run into years and years of delays at this point. Um, but it is the the other crew vehicle uh, that NASA has contracted with uh, to carry astronauts to the space station, and uh, SpaceX being the other provider with their Dragon spacecraft, which launched astronauts for the first time almost two years ago. So SpaceX has been 
humming along with operational missions to the space station. Boeing is still in their test flight phase and hasn't flown astronauts, but they're coming up on another big milestone uh, in the May timeframe when they'll launch their second unpiloted test flight without a crew to the space station to check out their systems. This is a do-over from a mission back in 2019 that ran into software problems that uh, had to cut the mission short prematurely, so they didn't achieve all their objectives. And, you know, I will say this is, um, you know, a lot of people like to <laughs> hate on Boeing and and, and uh, criticize Boeing, but for good reason with these delays uh, when SpaceX was able to do it in a much quicker time frame uh, and for lower cost for that matter. But I think there will be a lot of eyes on this now because uh, uh, NASA wants to have uh, an alternative, you know, a, a second provider to carry crew up to the space station. Right now, that second provider is Russia. If, you know, SpaceX, uh, God forbid, had a failure and they had an issue or a, a delay, they, they weren't able to launch the crew to the space station, there's a potential the space station mm-hmm. could be um, the crew would have to come down from the space station and leave the, the station up there without a crew, which would be a big problem. So NASA wants a second provider, uh, a U.S. provider, uh, as a backup, basically, to ensure that the space station does remain crewed. If the, you know, Assuming the space station even goes forward in the coming decade, it's supposed to go to 2030, um, they want two providers. That way that, that even further reduces any reliance on Russia for transportation. Well, Stephen, we're out of time. Always good to visit with you. Uh, I enjoy the site. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Anytime. All right. There he is, Stephen Clark, spaceflightnow.com. Good enough to join us from Kennedy Space Center. It is nine minutes now in front of 4 o'clock. Quick break. We'll come back, get you some of the headlines, all the news at 4 here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 